Hello, ASI listeners. This is episode 148. Million miles away. Your signal in the distance. To whom it may concern. I think I lost my way. Getting good at starting over. Every time. is some Foo Fighters. The song's called Walk. Learning to walk again. Yes, that is uh, that is the deal. And this is the conclusion of the Tenth Commandment. That's right, finally. Number 15 in the series of just the Tenth Commandment. I've been doing this Decalogue thing for like over a year now, dude. Right? It's time to, it's time to move on. I don't know. It's kind of, it's done now, and now the whole thing looks like a Christmas tree, which is kind of the what I planned, right? Started out, you know, you, I did one show on the first commandment, did one show on the second commandment, did one show on the third commandment, and then it just kind of, it starts to funnel from, from the top down. And I did that for a reason. Uh, idolatry, vanity, these things, these, these laws are awesome. Uh, good. Psalm 119 is an awesome psalm. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. And it is all about David, this this psalmist, is singing a huge, long song about, about the law, right? About how things just are. That there's a beauty and a cool refinement to the way that things are. And he sings about it for a really long time in, in Psalm 119. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's longer than Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. It is. It's longer than Metallica songs on the, the one album. It, it's, it's way, it would go over 14 minutes if it was a long, continual. They don't even include the guitar solo, so. Selah that is in there. That's in the Psalms a lot. Selah, right? It means, uh, Stop and think about that. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. Does it? Maybe it's a, I don't know, a drum solo or whatever they used back then. Maybe strings or a harp solo, you know, like somebody's got the whole thing going on. Anyway, I'm picturing David in a metal band or something. He's got long hair and, uh, sorry, my bad. Anyway, thanks for listening to the podcast. As I drift off into my own wondrous uh, imagination, <laughs> thanks for sticking with me. It has been one heck of a ride. I'm going to close out the Decalogue with the next show, but this is going to close out the Tenth Commandment. And what I really want to focus on has a lot to do with that tune I played and the fact that everything isn't constant, right? The the Tenth Commandment and 
this thing about covetousness that we are presented with something and we choose to covet it or not. And in life is a, is a rhythm. It's a pattern. It's different every day. There's different things going on. There's different things you're hit with. There's different emotions that you feel. You're getting older, right? Different things happen. Um, life is a long movie, right? C.S. Lewis says, God is telling each man his story. And I thought that was powerful. Like we each have our own um, epic movie that's playing for the audience of one who is our creator and the lover of our souls, all right? That's just true. So I'm going to, I have a few different approaches to this and I want you to, to hang in there with me. Also, I wanted to cover some email too and I'll do that. If you want to email me, it's russ at asi247.org. Um, Twitter, it's at Russ Shaw, all one word. Yeah, that's three S's in there, baby. It is all three S's right in a row. Russ Shaw, the at symbol, right? Twitter. Uh, Facebook, it's just go to ASI247.org. You click on the Facebook link, and, and that's that right there. So if you have any questions, man, I, I appreciate that. I think that's awesome. I, I love to interact and to really get behind your eyes and behind your ears and see how this is encountering your brain cells, uh, your spirit, your, your heart, your who you is underneath. So yeah, those are uh, ASI247.org is the website and you can contact me there. If you have any questions, concerns, complaints, um, I talked about donations. I'll bring that up again, man. It is uh, the holidays coming up, and if you want to donate to the show, man, I'd certainly appreciate that more than you know. It's a difficult season, and um, the bank wants my house, so <laughs> it's freaking me out. But I'm uh, I'm prayerfully confident in, in whatever happens scary letters coming in the mail that we haven't got before we, we you know we usually get the usual threats but now it's just a little a little more scary you know so yeah uh, difficult season and you can do that on the website as well uh, asi247.org I thank you who have donated man I appreciate that um, keep it coming I don't know uh, more than that listen pray for me uh, again, difficult season. This thing is, is gaining in popularity again and just a lot of stuff going on. So pray for me in this this little experiment called ASI that uh, you're listening to now. And if you want to do something unfinancial or non-financial, go to the website and actually, yeah, go to, go to the website or you can go to iTunes. The links are there. If you want to leave a review, man, I'd certainly appreciate that. It's good for the rankings. It's good for the show. It's a non-financial thing you can do to help. Just hey, just say, hey, I listen. This is what's up. This is me. Yo. All right? That's, that's all I ask. Or just hit the thumbs up button on Stitcher. Thank you. You guys are awesome. And continuing on. Why did I do so many shows on the Tenth Commandment, you ask? Because it's so common and it's so prevalent and 
the 10th commandment, covetousness, the fact of conformity, the fact of being around people who can lovingly point out when we are being covetous, the fact of realizing that covetousness exists behind our eyes, that we're all guilty of it, and that we, you know, repentance from that is really going into that inner life, isn't it? Realizing that we have that inner life. Not that we would live in guilt and shame. Again, worldly guilt and shame leads to death. That's 2 Corinthians 7.10. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a good rebuke that is part of the law that really, that's why I did 15 shows on, on the 10th commandment. Exposing the heart. Exposing some of the, the queen ants giving birth to the behaviors that crawl around on the surface. That some of this behavior modification or, you know, as Martin Luther said, being a slave to your willpower doesn't work long term. Realizing that, man, the 10th commandment is awesome. It's blo it blows away and digs a layer under that uh, behavior. These behaviors, unwanted behaviors, right? Why do we do them? Why do we get in these habits in the first place? A lot of it has to do with covetousness. Uh, rebuke. Realizing that there is a truth and then realizing that we have a loving Father who wants to correct us so we don't blow up our lives. Proverbs 17, verse 10. I love this. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. I mean, there's so much of this finger-pointing, fist-shaking kind of preaching out there. It's like beating the crap out of someone to get them to understand a piece of truth. But a rebuke into a person of understanding. It's like a parent with a child. Con you know, spanking, taking stuff away. Uh, you know, you can't play the Xbox. I mean, things like that. There's a place for that. But if it's just constant blows of you know, these, this kind of short-term parenting that just wants to kill the behavior on the surface. That kid can be controlled until maybe they're 18 years old. And they go off to college. And guess what? Newfound sense of freedom comes into play because they didn't understand why they were getting the blows in the first place. That's why kids blow up in college and mass amounts of jacked up sexual behavior in college. That's another one of my theories about why so many kids lose their faith in college is because they just got a bunch of blows. As the parenting was about moralistic behavior modification. It wasn't about understanding and freedom and teaching your kids that God isn't after their begrudging submission but their long-term joy. Fireworks are awesome. Sex is like fireworks. It's bursts of red, blue, and awesome colors. It's fun. It's awe-inspiring. But you open up a box of fireworks in the house, that's going to go bad. All right? You teach your kids like that. 
You don't just say, if you light fireworks in the house, I'm going to spank you. I'm going to take away your Xbox. You're going to have to sit in a corner. That's, come on. You teach kids you don't like fireworks in the house because it's dangerous. And they may hurt themselves or others. And that God loves them and wants good for them. God isn't up there shaking his fist and trying to take away everyone's fun. I mean, come on. So next topic, addressing some email. Uh, here's a, an email I got. A listener was talking about, he's a bit of a wordsmith like I am, and I'm driving him nuts with something, and, and I want to address that. Some of you guys in the UK, uh, I know I've kind of tweaked your melon a little bit with some of my... Uh, my bad grammar, some of my Seattle street lingo, I don't know. So uh, stick with me, all right? I mean, hey, if you want to correct me on some of this stuff, I would be honored. So please send me an email, russ at asi247.org, if you need to straighten me out on some, some grammar issues or intellectual thoughts that you may have about stuff. Man, I welcome that. Again, ASI, as I, 247.org is the website and my email address. So, Russ at, right? Anyway, getting to the email. Let me uh, crack this open on my my Android phone here. Hold on a second. Let me, uh, dissidence. He, he said that the issue that he had was with uh, dissonance and dissidence. Is what I, I keep tripping over those two words. They're actually two separate words. I didn't do well in English in school. I didn't, you know, I had a kind of a jerky, slack-jawed attitude anyway. It was like, uh, what? I already speak English. Why do I have to take English? I don't understand. Uh, so anyway, that was my attitude towards English. I should have paid more attention in grammar. Anyway, dis dissident is a word that comes from the Latin that means to disagree with. And you kind of hear this shortened in, in street lingo, right? In the uh, the urban dictionary would have this word, dis, you know. Don't diss me. Don't diss me, yo. I got skills. Don't be dissing my peeps. Anyway, it means to uh, disagree with or dishonor, disrespect. So, yeah, when I said that, I can see how that could drive you nuts a little bit. When I kept saying dissidence, when I meant Dissonance. Dissonance? Is that how you pronounce it? Dissonance. Dissonance. The lack of harmony among musical notes. A tension, and here's what I meant when I was talking about cognitive dissonance. A tension or clash resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. Alright, that's what cognitive dissonance is. When we have two conflicting thoughts that enter our mind, our brain goes to work very quickly in some cases to solve that dissonance. All right, see that? I used the word right that time. Woo! Can I have a round of applause? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Dissonance. Thank you. Yes. Your mind goes to work to solve that dissonance. Um, that's why I talked about social psychology. That's why I talked about conformity because a lot of times it depends on the crowd you hang around that if we don't know the answer, we tend to, as human beings, 
go with what the crowd around us decides or thinks about a certain thing. Independent films don't solve a lot of the dissonance. Independent films will leave some of it, right? Will leave some of it for you to um, think about or solve on your own. I heard an artist say, uh, I thought it was brilliant. She said somebody was critiquing her work and kind of in her face about it. And she said, if that's the response you got from it, then that's exactly what I was planning to do. So I thought that was brilliant. Like, you know what? Art is in the eye of the beholder. And if it made you get worked up and you got upset, and I hope that you see that in yourself, and that is what I wanted you to feel. Because everybody feels something different when they see a piece of art. Everybody solves the dissonance a different way. How do you solve it behind your eyes? That's something I'm going to ask in this podcast over and over again. How do you solve the dissonance in your life? Whatever it is. The big reason why people are addicted, man. And sexually speaking in the culture today, um, man, it is a mess. It is jacked up. We have a, a really crazy way of solving self-image issues. When, when our self is exposed and we have to, I mean, there's so many people that tie their sexuality to solve the dissonance of their identity, right? Their self-image. I mean, it's, it's crazy today, especially in high schools. Anyway, talking, speaking of kids in high school, and for this segment of the show, I thought it appropriate to have some bumper theme music. That montage medley of bumper promo music is uh, to let you know that I got email from the youth of youth listener, youth of the United States. This uh, predict- I don't know. You know what? Maybe he's not from the United States. But see that? Here's his email right here. I'm just kidding. It's not. It's a, it's a receipt. It's not. It's not his email. I don't get email on paper. I'm not printing this stuff up. That'd be a waste of paper, wouldn't it? Sorry, messing with you there. Yeah, anyway, uh, I get email from teens, right? From the youth of America. I am honored that I get to speak into the minds of young people. That last song is from a band called Rise Against, and I, I love that, uh, you know, take this from me prayer that I've, I've had since being a teen, man. I remember praying that as a teen. Like, I've got, I got behaviors in me that just aren't going away on their own and asking for God to take them and getting frustrated when he wouldn't and this part of why I do this man I tell you what there's no time machine I can't go back in time but I, I, I am honored that I get to speak into into the lives of teens and I wanted to address this email from this guy because he had a, a great point and he was talking about uh, touching on the, the zombie metaphor episode and talking about being with his girlfriend and when he could c- 
cognitively stop, you know, letting the, the thinking with the little head, right? He, he said that it, you know, just everything changed and he was able to just kind of be there, sit back, be alone with his girlfriend and not let the, you know, the appetites take over. And he said it was cool and he got to spend some time with her and he got to listen to her and he got to be in, you know, connected relationship and get to know her a little deeper. And I thought that's awesome that he would share that with me. A 16 year old dude would share that with me, man. Listen, you know what? In the, the ASI listeners, this is the new rebellion, all right? Let's rise up like rebellious teenagers and stop thinking with your little head, all right? That's awesome. There's just so much of that. So my pastor, the pastor of my church, Pastor Mark, fell in love with his high school sweetheart, and he talks about, you know, the new rebellion in Seattle. You know what that is in my city? Get married, right? Marry your high school sweetheart. Love her. Uh, have a kid. Get a job. Pay your taxes. Man, that's the new rebellion. All these guys who living with their moms and sleeping around with different women, never getting to know them like zombies. Uh, that's not rebellious. Uh, everybody's doing that. So I just wanted to, to pat him on the back and say, hey, that's awesome, dude. Uh, thanks for listening. I am honored that you listen. Any other teens want to send me a, a message, I'd love to share that with a listening audience. Because here's my thing with teens. Man, you're at this critical age what I love about teens is there's just raw, real emotion. You know, you just tap into it, and it's not that far below the surface. Like, you haven't built multiple layers over the top of your 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 raw energy, and I love that about teens, man. You just, you don't have the, the skills to fake it as much as a lot of us adults do. And, and for that, man, my hat's off to you, and I think a lot of folks my age, you know, 30s, late 20s, 40s, 50s, 60s can learn from teenagers, right? You have emotional intelligence that we don't have. So, again, Russ at ASI247.org. Something I've said on a few different shows in the series of podcasts that I've done, and, you know, I talked about Steve Jobs, played that speech that he did at Stanford, and... Um, I know that sometimes maybe with a little bit of swagger I talk about, you know, quitting school. Man, don't quit school, all right? Don't stay in high school, especially in college. Um, one of the things and the points I really wanted to get across with my uh, the show I did with playing Steve Jobs and, and, and you know, being understanding your purpose Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren was a, a book that really inspired me. And, and uh, hearing Jobs' speech has really brought me back to, to some of the things that Rick Warren said. Um, but the cool thing about what Rick Warren said was that, you know, doing your passion, your creativity, your, you know, some of that, that influence, some of that beauty that's in you, some of that art that, that needs to get out and you sharing that with the world, um, for most of you, you're not going to make a living at it. Like, I don't make a living doing this podcast, and, and this is a part of my passion to do this. Um, but I don't, right? I don't, it doesn't pay the bills. 
I mean, I ask for donations. It helps keep the thing afloat, right? But other than that, you know, you hear what I'm saying? Like, don't go to college for, I don't know, music. I mean, very few people that take uh, film in college become filmmakers and do that for a living. Very, very few. If you live in L.A., maybe that's a good thing to do. But for most of us, yeah, I don't know. A liberal arts degree is is not going to, right? Most people aren't going to make a living at that. So, yes, go to college. You know, take engineering. If you're good with math, if you got skills in those kind of areas, you know, you're going to have to work a job. And you're going to need to love your family with money. It's part of it, being a good provider for your family. And, man, right now I'm not. I've been Mr. Um, just running on, you know, entrepreneurial energy for a, a lot of years. And now I'm to the place where I wish I was educated enough to, to get a job where I could go home at night, love my family, make enough money to not have to worry about the bills. And, you know, I know that some of you guys out there, I mean, there's people with degrees listening to me right now that are lost their house, you know. I mean, I may be in the process of that. I don't know. I'm just praying that I can continue to make my house payment. But, again, you know, just as far as business goes, well, I want to be an entrepreneur like you, Russ. All right, here's the deal. Let me give you a little uh, emotional word picture, all right? You could dig a, a ditch. Like I had a friend of mine that had to dig, like, a, a ditch for his cable, right, for his Internet, you know, I don't know, something like that. And he... Uh, he, he, he didn't want to hire a get a backhoe, right? He was too cheap to get a backhoe, so he started digging with a shovel. Can I tell you something? Not going to college is like trying to dig a trench with a shovel. Going to college, yes, you learn some nuts and bolts. You learn some some skills. Joining the military is another one. Being in the military, you learn some skills of perseverance. Sometimes I wish I would have joined the military. I would have learned more discipline. People, my friends that have been through the military are a lot more disciplined than I am, right? They have a lot more, uh, blows my mind, some of their self-discipline. So, stay in school, right? Re-enlist, especially if you're single, man. I, I don't know, man. Being married, it's tough. But love, love your family. Be a good provider. Think about your legacy rather than just your short-term passion. Because you can do your short-term passion, and that's kind of the point of conformity and understanding being in a good, healthy church, you know, I talked about. Being, that's, that's part of conformity. You're going to conform. One, another thing I wanted to touch on was the people that are alone. Like, here's a, here's a cool, another bumper for you. It's an odd one name of the song by the sick puppies. I played it before, but I feel led to play it again right here.
love that tune. You spend your time in your head, you know, some call it imagination, is another line in that song. And I think for the creative person, there is a certain amount of antisocial behavior to them. And, and really, I think what that is, is you need some alone time. My pastor friend, Pastor Rick, out there in Marysville, he told me that. He says, Russ, you need some alone time. You need some alone time to focus on your art and your study and to, you know, do what you do. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you have excess in it, then you know, you get immune neglect, like I talked about with social psychology. You become you develop that kind of thought that's just fast, cheap, and easy, that the whole world is about you and you're the point. That is unhealthy. It's like retardation, like a, a plant or a tree that starts to grow crooked. You spend too much time alone, that's what happens. And if you never get around people, man, it's just, you just conform to yourself. You do conform. There's no such thing as non-conformity. Oh, that person started a new trend, or that person did something, you know, that person's a non-conformist because they're original. I even said that about Danny Shea in the last episode. But here's the deal. She got out in front of people. Artists get out in front of people and they take the hits and they take the criticism and they do what they do and they attract an audience or they show some beauty in their art that has people in awe. There's a weird anxiety-ridden kind of hoarding spirit to the person that's taking all the credit and glory for themselves. The humble person thanks God and has gratitude for the gifts that they've been given. And those people shine brighter because of their humility. And they have less anxiety in their own lives because they're not afraid that someone's going to come along and take it from them, right? And when we can be about worshiping God is giving Him the glory and Him the credit in your art and not making it about you, I mean, that's beautiful. That's living life right? Having courage. I mean, that's a bigger adventure than bungee jumping. Spending a bunch of money to go hike on some mountain, man. Get out of your comfort zone and share your passion and glory. But love your family first. Don't neglect your family because you think that you need to play guitar somewhere, right? Have some balance. I, I just, you know, I, I pray that somebody's not out there neglecting their kids because they want to chase their dream. First, number one dream needs to be our families. I haven't been good at that. I haven't. I've been a sinful, disconnected mess. And being a workaholic is the kind of the addiction that people pat you on the back for having. And some of you, your passion is not going to bring a lot of money. Your gift may not bring a lot of money in this world, but it will bring treasure to the next. There was a guy who was a uh, cultural, I forget what he's called, like a cultural analyst. And he studied trends and stuff like that. And this guy wrote an article in the Seattle Times. It was a few years ago. But he said that he believed, this guy, and you know, these guys wrote for the Seattle Times, wrote for the New York Times, very, um, not a Christian, but a very listened to um, person when it comes to trend setting and culture. And something that he said about uh, 
our church, Mars Hill Church, he said, he said, I think you're going to see more creative, influential people come out of the culture from Mars Hill Church than you will the University of Washington. That's a pretty powerful statement from a guy like that. Why did he say it? Here's why. Because in, in culture, cool comes from a lot of raw energy. Cool comes from a lot of broken people. And the place where busted people who love and who have good hearts underneath get to shine their glory, which is really God's gifted glory, get to shine their creative energy is going to be, he, and he thought, right, this was his prediction, is going to be in the church. Because the church doesn't require a huge tuition fee that kids can't pay anymore. And it's getting to the point where the most creative people aren't the ones with a lot of money. And traditionally, it really hasn't been. I mean, look at Steve Jobs. He didn't come from a wealthy family. Um, Jimi Hendrix, just in my town. Foo Fighters, you know, Nirvana coming from that. I mean... Some of the raw, coolest talent comes from the poorest people. And the poorest people get to shine their talent in a place like a church. Because the church has a different economy. A church isn't going to charge you for studio time. A church wants to see your paintings and your, your music and wants to hear your, right, the rhythm of your heart. Well, how come bands like that haven't come out of the church, Russ? Well, give it time. Because we've had to have a new reformation, right? A new reformation, so to speak. Our pastor wrote a, a book called The Radical Reformation, talking about re-bringing Christ to the church and talk, being more about Jesus than religion, right? The difference in that, and what I'm trying to get you to understand here, is that the church is a has a countercultural message in culture. The church doesn't run from the culture. All right, that's wrong and that's religion. And when the church separates from the culture, it's not being biblical. All right. Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians. Uh, these are cities. These are jacked up, messed up cities. And Jesus enters into the city. Jesus comes into the, the people who are messed up and need help, right? Jesus is missional. God is missional when he enters time and space as the sun. Now, that's what I want you to understand here. Um, a little church history about my church. Because some of you are like, all right, you're talking about cool bands and then the church. I, I haven't seen any. Well, you will. And there has been. All right, but again, check this out. Back in the early 2000s, our church, Mars Hill Church, it may have been in the late 90s, started an all-ages club called The Paradox. So yes, Mars Hill Church starts a club called The Paradox where they played music by bands, not just Christian bands, all right, all bands. Any band that wanted to come in um, that obeyed the rules and there was some rules right no alcohol this is an all-ages club no drinking no drugs and you keep your pants on <laughs> that's basically the rules and these guys came in and they played their music and there was like five to eight shows a week at the paradox in seattle this is a very 
countercultural thing in the religious community as well. And they got a lot of flack for that from a lot of Christians. Oh, you're playing secular music in, in the church. Well, it was the, the paradox is what it was called. But again, the church was a separate institution from that. But it was all under the umbrella of the church. It was a place where people could come and play their music. It was a place where people could come and be involved in the Seattle culture in a church. This is the way it used to be back in the 15, 1400s. All right? This is Reformation. And again, on the website, asi247.org, there are churches there, right? There are churches that are in the culture with a countercultural message, just like a lot of the good bands who make good music have a countercultural message, right? A nonconformist message. Christians are people who don't conform to the pattern of this world with a superficial worldview that says, I need to take as much as I can get for this place because this is all it is. Because we know it's not. So I pray that you get involved in a, in a healthy church. And for those of you who consider yourself Christians and aren't in a church, um, I pray that you repent of your own self-righteousness. All right? I do. You're being self-righteous and you think you're better than other people because they worship Jesus and they're in a church. This is, uh, this is from 2 Corinthians or no, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 11. This is from the Common English Bible. Um, I wanted to let you guys know about the, this Bible app, by the way. It's called YouVersion. If you have a smartphone, you download the YouVersion uh, Bible app. It's like from life.tv or something like that. It's awesome, awesome Bible app. But anyway, this is from the, uh, the uh, Common English Bible, starting in verse 12. All these things are produced by the one and the same spirit who gives what he wants to each person. Verse 12, Christ is like the human body. A body is a unit that has many parts and all of the parts of the body are one body, even though they are many. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we will all be given one spirit to drink. Certainly the body isn't one part but many if the foot says i am not part of the body because i'm not a hand does it make it any less part of the body if the ear says i'm not part of the body because i'm not an eye does it make it any less part of the body if the whole body were an eye then where would this hearing be if the whole body were an ear what would happen to the sense of smell but as it is god has placed each one of the parts in the body just like he wanted if all were one, the same body part, what would happen to the body? But as it is, there are many parts and one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Instead, the parts of the body that the people think are the weakest are the most necessary. The parts of the body that we think are less honorable are the ones that are honored the most. The private parts of our body that aren't presentable are the ones that are given the most dignity. The parts of our body that are presentable don't need this, but God has put their body together, giving greater honor to the parts with less honor. So that these 
so that there won't be division in the body and that so many parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer. And if one part gets glory, all the parts celebrate it. For you are part of the body of Christ and the parts of each other. Right? This is being in healthy community. This is realizing that we're all different, that we're like a mosaic, that we all have different personality traits, traits and things that we like, but we're all part of one body. That's coming together as the church. If you want to watch a film that's a really great metaphor for this, a really great emotional word picture for this, it's called Lady in the Water. It's a pretty cool movie. It came out, I don't know, five, maybe even ten years ago. But uh, Paul Giamatti, um, Lady in the Water. It's a great uh, analogy for the body, for the church, for people coming together and being a people for one cause, which is Jesus. I pray that you get involved in a healthy church that opens the Bible and talks about Jesus a lot. It's about Jesus. And don't just read one or two scriptures and try and make some political point. It's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. All right. God enters time and space as a man and is laid in a manger, right? Wrapped in swaddling clothing. It's that time of year, man. It's all around us to show us, to demonstrate his love for us, to show us that he's not afraid of the jacked up nature of our hearts, our stony, cold, dirty hearts. God comes into his creation, enters time and space as a man, and is laid in a horse trough. Right? It's about Jesus. Man, I pray, again, on the website, asi247.org, there's some great churches there. Next week, I'm going to do part two of the conclusion of the Tenth Commandment. I love you guys. I'm going to leave you with a song by a guy named uh, Greg Pope. The band is called Edmund's Crown. It's cool to have a dream, all right? It's great to have a dream, but realize that you have a life, that you need people in your life, that you need to love your wife, you need to love your kids, you need to love your family first and be part of a, a healthy church, okay? This song is called um, I Got a Life by Edmund Crown. Love this. Have a dream. Realize a place to shine that dream. Till next time. Bye. Well, two people came to see the show. One was my wife, and one was working.